everyone, it's Eugene here and welcome to another edition of Forensics Talks. This is going to be episode 95. And my guest today is Hussam Shabib. Hussam Shabib is currently working as a digital forensic consultant in Saudi Arabia. He has experience in different cybersecurity fields such as penetration testing, user access reviews, configurations reviews, IT, cybersecurity audit, risk assessment, and programming. He has a bachelor's degree in computer science and he holds multiple certifications in the cybersecurity field. Field, IC, MDE, 3CI, 3CE. There's a lot of these things. I don't even know what they are. So, but he's got a lot. Let's put it that way. But he's an advocate for fostering cybersecurity awareness in local communities. So, He's committed in sharing cybersecurity knowledge, uh, both through online platforms like LinkedIn and YouTube. Uh, he has a channel, Inforacle, I-N-F-O-R-A-C-L-E, and as well as in person. And I met uh, Hussam not very long ago in Riyadh, and this was at uh, a conference in the in Saudi Arabia, and we had a very brief conversation. But let me let me do this. Let me bring him in here right now because he's been patiently waiting there. So there he is. Hey, Hussam, how are you? Uh- Hello, hello. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me, Professor Eugene. I am so glad to be here with you, with the audience. So I will talk about different cybersecurity topics. Excellent. Well, thanks so much. We had a, we, we only met, I mean, we only spoke for what, like two minutes on the way to lunch. We were walking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're right. I was uh, like just doing uh, just a small research about my private for, forensic investigation, private uh, browsing. And then uh, we met actually and have, as you said, small talk. And then, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we yes. and maybe yeah, just very quickly. Uh, yeah, you did. Uh, that's where I saw your first. Uh, where, where I started, saw you was your presentation on the uh, private browsing. I thought it was super interesting. Like just you know, simple things sometimes are often the most interesting. And so I thought you did a great job there. And we're definitely gonna maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, so first question for the day has to do with your background, and of course, cybersecurity is a big field right now. If you're on anywhere on social media, you're seeing posts about it all the time and uh, a lot of stuff going on there. So I always like to ask people about, uh, so when I say people, how'd you get into this? I go far back. So it's not just about university. I want to know about when you were a kid and like, were you uh, a nerd on the computer? Like what, what was your interest back then? And how did you get into this field? Sure, sure. Actually, it all started since the middle school. Uh, I really like to innovate new things, uh, discover new technologies, uh, downloading new programs in the computer, everything like I was obsessed with computers. But in the middle school, uh, specifically in the seventh grade, actually I was reading an IT school book. Uh, I came across hackers, like hackers, just hackers. And then they define it as networks, thieves. I was really, you know, I, I really wanted to know more. What is this hackers? Well, it seems dangerous, you know. I asked my uh, my teacher in the school, uh, teacher, what is hackers? They said it is, uh, they are thieves. He said, no, no, no. Hussam, never be close to these hackers. They are very dangerous. Don't even come close to them. Don't even know anything about hackers. I said, what is this? Oh my God, really? Actually, he ignited this, you know, the passion. He ignited my curiosity. I, I said in myself, I wanted to know more. I came back home. I started actually learning what is hackers, what is hacking, uh, what are the different methods actually to hack into computer, into email account. Like, what is this actually? What is all about? And I found it, it is very, very special field and not anyone 
can enter it actually. At that time, I really wanted, I said, okay, they will not teach me at all regarding uh, for this topic. They will not even talk about it. Okay, I will only have actually my own self-learning techniques. So I started learning what is hacking, uh, all the techniques I can do, actually, the concepts of hacking, what are the types of hacking, black box hacking, white box hacking, uh, white hat, like there are a lot. And all it was actually theoretical because actually it is like, it is, you know, it is prohibited. Somehow it is prohibited. And even I cannot talk about hacking with anyone. Seriously, they will all be afraid of me. Oh, this is a hacker. Even like I, I, I am just starting ABCD, ABCD of hacking. So I don't know anything actually. But people became afraid of me. Like he is a hacker. He is a hacker. <laughs> so I said, let's keep it quiet and just like Hussam, just learn by yourself and don't don't talk to anyone. I was studying. I was learning like sometimes twelve hours per day just learning 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 and actually applying the concepts that i have learned on my inner circle so just applying to my for example uh, relatives account i am telling him like okay okay i will try to hack your system he is challenge me like just on my inner circle very strictly not uh, telling anyone actually outside the circle and actually i was getting like the results actually i was able like to do some let's say ethical hacking to my uh, accounts to my relatives accounts for sure with their permissions everything and i found it very interesting and at the same time uh, it is dangerous really like you have the authority to do really everything you have the power like you feel very uh, in a very uh, privileged actually position so I said, like, it is really dangerous uh, and you need actually to really be, uh, let's say, not tell everyone about it because they misuse it a lot. So because at that time, the uh, hacker, it was like just a dream for uh, a lot of people. And I said, OK, let's keep it quiet and not tell, telling them that I am hacker. Actually, at that time, I was like studying, as I said, like 12 hours per day just for one concept like for example if there is like a hacking concept a concept for example spoofing so like almost one day complete one day what is spoofing because i have like i have no idea actually what is this concept so i was just like each day i learned like only one concept like 12 hours five uh, f uh, 12 hours 15 hours per day next day another new concept i am learning another new concept how can i apply this concept what tools i can utilize what uh, is different types for example if i am talking about spoofing what are the different types of spoofing and list go on after that okay next day let's uh, talk about different uh, something else what is for example ib address okay let's talk about ib address what is mac address and uh, actually, I found a lot of communities actually online, only online, about related only to hacking. And actually, this was myself, uh, like I was searching a lot to find them because it is not that easy to find them. But after you, you find them, you can actually create an account and then you can like engage with the community and all the community, uh, they are some hackers, some script kiddies, but you need to be careful careful at that time because you may actually hack your computer while you are learning. And it happened to me once, actually, when I was a kid. They hacked my computer because I wanted to learn, and they gave me a virus, and I opened the virus, and my computer got uh, compromised, unfortunately. 
Uh, and after that, I became, uh, I became actually uh, realizing that this is dangerous. I need to do, uh, need to actually have security before I learn hacking. I should secure myself, secure my computer. So I learned about virtualization, VM, virtual machines, uh, deep, uh, deep freeze, uh, every, all type of uh, tools to actually protect myself first. After that, I was just uh, installing, for example, tools, installing on the virtual machine and on the host machine, just trying to play playground, like I uh, have playground, my host machine, my virtual machine, try to hack my system, all these types of stuff. And after that, I said, okay, uh, I decided I will go actually to a cybersecurity degree in my bachelor degree. Then after I took a lot, actually, uh, with, I have a lot of discussions with my relatives, with my uh, mentors. Okay. I said, okay, they told me, don't go to cybersecurity degree, go to a computer science degree. Because in computer science degree, they will teach you more fundamental stuff. And in cybersecurity, they will go straight actually to the cybersecurity topics without having any basis. So you don't have any foundation and you are uh, actually doing cybersecurity stuff. And this is actually not that good uh, for anyone who wants actually to be in cybersecurity. He needs to let's say, have some fundamental knowledge in, for example, networking, operating system, databases, one programming language at least, and some other uh, stuff. Then, because cybersecurity is not, let's say, a concrete field, not uh, a field by its own. It is a field that built upon other fields, like, for example, IT, cybersecurity built it upon it. So this is why I said, okay, let's go to computer science and I st uh, studied like five years in my computer science bachelor degree and I discovered actually even if it is computer science even if I took some elective courses they will not will not teach you how to break things like really I was really excited uh, that they will teach me how to hack for example in ethically but no they will not teach you that in universities so I started actually to go after that to professional certifications. I wanted to do, for example, certified ethical hacker. This uh, my beginning, uh, my like my journey started with a certified ethical hacking as a certification. But as I said, like uh, in the cybersecurity, I started in the middle school. So I started in my professional certifications, taking some certification, trying to apply the knowledge. As I said, virtual machine, some vulnerable uh, apps you can have and now there are a lot actually in these uh, this apps you can have a lot of apps actually that you can learn how to hack and if everything is ethical so i started uh, hacking i started actually to have some online friends uh, penetration testers all together with the same goals we want to learn together building community around you in cybersecurity is crucial you cannot actually really survive uh, without this why because you will learn a lot and share knowledge a lot with them and they will tell you oh we are doing this way why you are doing this way so we can share different concepts concepts in different ways and you may actually not even think that these uh, ways are even uh, exist so trying after building communities learning uh, finishing my bachelor degree certifications then i need to have like an internship i want to actually apply my knowledge uh, in a company uh, then then like like a normal employee, but in the university, we need to have an internship actually to finish your graduation. So I applied to one of the like global consulting companies and they accepted me actually. 
And at that time, I was doing uh, web application penetration testing audit, IT and cybersecurity audit. I was doing also programming in Python, but cybersecurity programming, like uh, trying to program a little bit uh, some tools, some scripts, for example, related to cybersecurity, all type of stuff. Then uh, I moved to another company, also consulting company, uh, as information security consultant. I was doing all types uh, of penetration testing, specifically in web application penetration testing, configuration reviews. So I was doing one project, go to like, for example, PCI DSS, another project penetration testing for PCI DSS compliance, doing user access review, doing a lot of stuff. Then uh, I said, okay, this is penetration testing. It is really good. I, I love it. I am really keen of it, but if you also, you, if you are just want to be offensive, like in the offensive security, you will not be that perfect. I said, why? I said, because you don't know how to defend. You don't know the defensive mindset. I said, I wanted to learn the defensive mindset, uh, as a job, as a, let's like not uh, transition to another, let's say career. No, I just wanted to learn the defensive mindset. So I said, okay, what uh, the other, like the most, thing that I really care and love after penetration testing, it is digital forensics. Because actually I really like Sherlock Holmes and I said, okay, let's be the cyber Holmes. <laughs> uh, I learned digital forensic. Actually, I didn't have, let's say any idea actually at that time about digital forensics. I am just like, just love it. I don't know anything about it. I said, let's go. And I applied actually as an entry position like for digital forensics. And at, th at that time, oh my God, really uh, uh, a lot of things changed. Now I have like different vision, different mindset. I know, for example, the defender, how will react. I know like, for example, as penetration tester or off uh, the offensive side, how it were, uh, how they will re uh, react, what traces I will be left, uh, I will be leaving actually when I'm doing an assessment, uh, how they are going to catch me. For example, if you are doing a red team assessment, all these type of stuff, you can actually have uh, um, uh, an eye on uh, on it because you learn something new. You learn, as you said, cybersecurity is an ocean and you must, you must be specialized in one or two fields. For sure, you can know a lot of fields, but as to be an expert, as to be really professional, you may have like, you may, you may choose one or two fields, like penetration okay. testing for me and digital forensics. Yeah. And I, <laughs> this is, I think I took too much time, but yeah. No, honestly, is, I'm, I'm fascinated. That was one of the best introductions <laughs> I've had. That's <laughs> fantastic. I'm fascinated. Thank you, thank it's, you. it's really, thank really you. wonderful. Um, so, and, and you've mentioned a whole bunch of different things there. So, yes. and I apologize if I jump around because this is not no, my no, no, area. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm just going to start simple here. And especially for some of the people who are listening in. Mm. So let's talk about ethical hacking. Okay. So, you know, I watch YouTube and I see these guys, you know, anti-hacker, they, they break into another hacker's department or yes. something like this. I, I don't know that that's actually what ethical hacking is, but can you explain to us and the listeners what in your mind constitutes ethical hacking? Mm. I think in hacking, you need to have the mindset of actually breaking things. Like you want to have the passion to break things in out of the box way, like a very creative way. You need to have a very creative way in breaking things for sure. Networks, systems, applications, uh, mobile applications, web applications, like they will give you a system. For example, this network, 
try to break it. Try, for example, to take a privileged uh, escalation account in one of the systems. Try to pivot one system from one system to another system. All this, it is an ethical hacking. It is a way to access a system. For sure, it is an authorized way. But why why it is authorized? Because actually you are after the engagement is finished, after you finish your assessment, you will tell them, okay, you have vulnerability X, you you exploited this vulnerability, you this impacted the system very much. For example, it is very critical vulnerability, and this is my exploitation. Uh, you can and you can actually reduce the vulnerability. They need to reproduce the vulnerability uh, following your steps. A recommendation to remediate this vulnerability. So all of this, they need to take care of it. And ethical sure. hacking actually, like simply, it has, you know, like, let's say a general methodology. Like, for example, it starts with the pre-engagement phase. Pre-engagement, you come with the client. Okay, Hussam, what you need to, uh, to do is like, for example, uh, gray, box testing or gray, gray box testing. They will give me, for example, a little bit knowledge about uh, system architecture. They will give me, for example, uh, a credential and they will tell me, okay, from that you can go, Hussam. And also you cannot do, for example, they will need to specify the scope, uh, scope of engagement. For example, Hussam, uh, only this domain you can hack. Uh, you cannot do brute forcing, like you cannot do it. You cannot make, for example, a lot of noise because if it is a protection environment, you may actually cause the network to be down. And after that, everything is settled down. You need to go after that uh, to the information gathering phase. You need to gather as much information as you can about the target, the domain, the network, the everything that they gave, gave you as a target, actually. You need to gather as much information about it. What is, for example, uh, the network subnet? What is the domain? What is the IP address? What is the DNS records? A lot of stuff. Okay. And usually they will give you actually small details about this phase in uh, like in the engagement, in the pre-engagement, they will tell you, Hussam, this is IB, this is the domain you can hack, uh, this like uh, small details, not everything. Then you will do uh, uh, information gathering or reconnaissance, we call it. After that, actually, it is the scanning phase. You need actually to scan the system, uh, looking for vulnerabilities in the system, whatever the system, as I said, like a web network, uh, anything. Actually, you need to f look for vulnerabilities. Like you can use multiple techniques, multiple tools actually to find vulnerabilities. After that, uh, you find the vulnerabilities, you check the vulnerabilities. Okay, let's go with the exploitation. Actually, uh, people, people actually are really confused between uh, vulnerability assessment and penetration testing. Uh, they call it VABT. It is VAPT uh, as just an acronym. But actually, vul uh, vulnerability assessment is different from penetration testing. Penetration testing, after you actually find, like, for example, you found a vulnerability. Okay. Penetration testing, you need to exploit this vulnerability in order to determine the impact of it. And you need to report it for sure. You need uh, some uh, vulnerabilities. If it is really da dangerous, you need to take uh, like a consent or an approval from the client. Okay, actually, maybe if I exploited this vulnerability, it may take the system down. So please, uh, I'm allowed to do that or not. Like when I was doing actually some engagement, there are like two like bodyguards, one on the right, one on the left. 
they are doing. Oh, Hussam, no, 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 don't try this. Okay, don't try this. Hussam, this is very dangerous. Don't try this. Okay, don't try. Actually, not I am just telling me. They are on my head, you know, like they are just beside me, like doing, Hussam, do this, don't do this. So sometimes it is very dangerous, especially if it is a protection environment, if they don't have any mirroring environment or any testing environment, oh, it is very dangerous. So you need to take, as I said, an approval from the client if you exploiting this vulnerability and you know it is dangerous, it may cause damage to the current system. Mm -hmm. uh, this, uh, this is penetration testing, but in vulnerability assessment, actually, you will not be able to, uh, you, not because you will not be able, your phase ends in the vulnerability, in the scanning. Okay, you discovered there is a vulnerability, you check there is a vulnerability for sure, like you are sure it is vulnerability, not uh, false positives. Okay. You are done. You just reported that there is a vulnerability. But in penetration testing, you need to exploit it to determine, as I said, the impact. After that, you, uh, for example, let's say we exploited the, the system. We exploited like one of the systems on the networks. Okay. Uh, I can like actually try to do privilege escalation. For example, if you have a normal user, you can actually try to do privilege escalation to take, for example, NT authority or for example, admin user, like you have more privileges, you can do more stuff. You can actually try to pivot from one network to another. If that network, for example, is very like air gapped or something like that, you, uh, they consider it as there is no internet connection. No one can con uh, connect to that network. Okay, you actually discovered a way to connect to that network. All this stuff you can do actually in testing for sure if you have uh, a written approval, uh, especially, yes, a written approval because it is dangerous. Okay. So now, yes, you have discovered all warranty. You exploited everything. You tried like to do everything. Thing. After that, and as I said, like you can try to privilege escalation, be voting, uh, then you can also try to enumerate different data inside the system. Like some data you are not, uh, you don't have access to it when you are seeing from outside, like on the, like if you are looking, uh, from outside the big picture, some details you will not be, you will not have access to it because they are in different systems. But when actually, when you exploited a system, actually, you may have more details. So you need to enumerate these details because maybe you can actually take advantage of them to actually to go to another system. And this is like a chain, you know, like mm -hmm. you take advantage of the weakest link, let's say from a circle, then you can go to another system because all it is chained together. Then after we exploiting actually the systems and networks, you can actually have your report to report everything that I found this vulnerability with this damage, with this criteria. Uh, like for example, if there is a CVE or common vulnerability uh, disclosure for it or a number, you can actually mention what is your re general recommendation actually to solve this or to patch this vulnerability. Uh, everything with the screenshots, with everything, no, a complete report, and then you can uh, cover it. And for sure, when you start an engagement, you send an email, when you, you end an engagement, you send another email like every day. Like I start because sometimes they need to do some stuff or uh, they mean they may exclude your warnings because sometimes they, the, the blue team actually, uh, they, they may be scared. Oh, someone is attacking us. But no, when they know that I am penetration testing, I'm ethically hacking their system. It's right. okay. Okay. Let me, let me summarize a couple of things because there was a, there's a lot of information there. So when we talk about the different types of uh, approaches or 
methods. You talked about, obviously, a vulnerability assessment. You talked about penetra- penetration testing. But where does, for example, you talked about brute force testing. And in mm-hmm. my mind, so that means, uh, from, to me, that means just somebody is just trying, okay, you know, what, what password might they have used? They're guessing at things. They're just trying to see if there's vulnerabilities or if they can get in. But are there also like um, routines that they use, little scripts or little things that they try that automatically will go? So what, what kinds of things are there at your disposal that you can try on a system? Like what are those, what are those tools and techniques? For sure, for sure. Actually, there are a lot of techniques used in brute forcing and also there are a lot of mitigations for it. For example, in tools, there are known tools, for example, like Hydra, for example, it is in Kali Linux or, or even you can download it in any system, uh, Linux system. Uh, it's okay. Like you have, for example, in brute forcing, let's say we can have, uh, we have different types of brute forcing. We have like different, uh, it is password cracking as a general term and brute forcing actually is one type of password cracking techniques if we can visualize that so password cracking is a generalized general term and uh, for example brute forcing is one one technique we have also a rule-based technique we have also rainbow table so there are a lot of uh, types let's say like for example what is brute forcing brute forcing is when you try all combinations that you can think of for the password, for example, I can try uh, to do brute forcing for a password. I want to all the combinations of, for example, English, uh, English alphabet from A to Z, capital letters, small letters from zero to nine, or also all the special letters. And you can imagine that this will take ages, actually. It will take a lot of time, actually, to do. And mostly this one is ineffective. Because it will cause a lot of, uh, it cause a lot of noise in the network. Uh, sometimes you need to be stealthy. And this one for sure fails in this. And sometimes, uh, like, uh, you have very limited time in your engagement. If you are just sitting and you are waiting, it will never finish really. And this is very ineffective. So we have like other types that are more effective and you can actually use them and they are very fast. For example, there is dictionary-based attack. Okay, let's say, okay, what is, uh, I have, uh, I, I am, I have gathered a lot of information in the information gathering phase about, for example, this employee. Okay. This employee likes summer. He always like five, number five, for example. He always, uh, let's say, like, for example, Spider-Man. All these types of data, we can gather it. Why? Because we want to make an idea about what the password might be. So, for example, I can make a dictionary. Dictionary, just let's say uh, combinations of known data that I know that this might be, if I even change the combination of these words, actually, it might be the password. So, for example, I will, uh, one, one, uh, for example, one word in the, my dictionary will be, for example, Spider-Man 5. Next word, okay, Summer 5 Spider-Man. Next word, Spider-Man 5 Summer. Next word, and you will change the words interchangeably. You will change the words and as much information as you have on the target, you can make very customized dictionary to use it in your uh, password cracking uh, phase. And okay, let's say uh, it's also not possible actually to uh, 
to make your own dictionary. There are some of the most known dictionaries that are out there. Like usually, you know, there are some uh, websites, they leaked their information, they got compromised, all the database got leaked. So what they, these people, what they do, actually they took this information that got leaked, they make uh, a dictionary for all this data, and actually they put it on the internet. So you can use this dictionary or you can use this leaked data, actually use it as a dictionary without doing any stuff. There are a lot of techniques. You go, uh, sometimes also, if you have, for example, okay, you took your password. I found the password. Oh, great. But unfortunately, you found the password is hashed. Hashed means that actually you cannot take advantage of it because, uh, you know, the hashing algorithm, it is one way function that it will make the word, let's say, not obfuscated, obfuscation differencing, but it is not, uh, does not make sense. Like this is hashing. It will not make any sense for you. So you need to do hashing, but the hashing is different than the encryption, the encryption. The hashing, you cannot reverse it. The encryption, you have one, uh, you can decrypt and encrypt, but hash, no. So for example, I have a password and I have a hash, but I don't know the password. So what people also did, they, for example, they make a lot of hashes for different passwords. Then they compare each hash with the password. Okay, okay, I have a hash and I have already pre-computed different passwords in my mind. I've, uh, I got their hashes and everything is sorted out. So what can I do now? I can compare the hash that I found with all hashes that uh, in the list. If there is a match, so the corresponding password is the password. I hope it's clear. I don't know if it's clear or not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so this one is called rainbow table attack. So there are different techniques actually to crack a password or okay. to crack the hash of the password. Okay. So let me, uh, sorry, let me, let me ask you about the, I mean, you're, you're using these, there are software programs you said you can download and something like that. And as a computer science graduate, um, there's obviously different languages that you're going to be using. So there's actually a question here from one of the people here, and it has to do with what languages are important in hacking and ethical hacking. And I have, a, I have, I'm going to guess it's all of them. <laughs> uh, actually there are for sure, like, uh, like as many programming language, uh, that, you know, is very good, but like as many you learn as the better, but for sure there are, programming languages that are more used in the industry and the scripts, the tools are written in these tools, uh, these programming languages. So for example, I would advise Python as a, like, if you want to learn, if you want to do some scripting, some cyber security tools, you can actually use Python. Python is very well known and widely used in hacking field. Python is one prog programming language. There is C. C is fantastic, but uh, the disadvantage of it, it is a bit more complicated than Python. So I would not recommend it if you are new to the program and uh, programming. I would not recommend uh, starting with uh, C, start with Python. Now we have Go, Golang. It is becoming more popular. It is very, very, uh, it's really uh, uh, like taking all the attention in the industry. Golang, it's very new. So. You can use a lot of programming languages, but if you ask me, I would advise go for Python. Then you can go for JavaScript if you are interested in web hacking. Then go for C. 
But uh, as I said, there are many programming languages and actually the more you learn, the better. Why? Because actually if you learn Python, it will be easier for you to learn JavaScript. You know, because you have the concept, it is just the syntax. The different way of writing is different, but the concept are the same mostly. Sometimes there are uh, like very slight difference, but yeah, some there are differences, but mostly the syntax will be different, but the semantics will also will always be the same. Yani. Right. Always like. Okay. Um, so let me ask you another question because you talked about like when you were learning or when you were asking people about it, mm. you know, everyone's like, oh, don't, don't talk about hacking. You know, it's like, yes, tab, yes, forget yes. it. Um, but what about like legal, legal and compliance aspects for ethical hackers? Like, are there, are there any laws in place now or, or is it depending on the country? Some things are, nobody cares. Some things are very strict. Like what, what can you tell me about this? No, actually, uh, ethical hacking slash penetration testing is mandatory. Like in, let's say, in every cybersecurity concept uh, or let's say component. Why? For example, if you need, if you have, let's say, a payment, uh, a company that is dealing with payment cards like Visa, uh, what others like, uh, I think uh, there are a lot actually like Visa. Mm-hmm. You need actually to do penetration testing regularly to be compliant, to be able actually, which is like PCI DSS, this is payment card industry, uh, data uh, security, data security. You need actually to have penetration testing regularly, I think twice per year, to be actually compliant. And And if you are not doing that, actually, you may have fines. You will not be able to use visas. And, you know, like it is now that any online business is for sure using visas, something like that. It is a must. For example, for medical, uh, medical industry or hospitals, HIPAA. There is a HIPAA uh, industry compliance that also you need to do penetration testing. Penetration testing or ethical hacking by law now, or like, for example, I think all the, all uh, countries that really they have cybersecurity mature uh, cyber their cybersecurity i think most countries they have that they need to do penetration testing engagements regularly for everything other otherwise uh, it may actually come with uh, circumstances that you don't want to have right right yes. right um let me let's move let's move on a little bit because there's a few other things sure. that i want to get to and we are flying by in time here so i hope you don't mind if you're going to stick around a little bit more i think sure, we're going to sure, go sure. well over okay we're going to go well over an hour um I, and it has to do with the presentation that you did because um in in uh when we were in Riyadh, um you did Uh, and, and the gist of your presentation had to do with how much information you could retrieve out of a browser under different conditions, right? Okay, yes. maybe could you, in a simplified way, could you explain to people what you did and kind of like what you found? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, my research was about private, uh, private browsing forensics. So if you are using private browser, we all know like ign- uh, incognito mode of like a Chrome browser, private browser of Chrome. Uh, people think that this browser is bulletproof, like it is a silver bullet. You can do everything if you are actually running this private browser. And it is just a myth, you know? So my research was focusing on, okay, let's say you are running private browser, you are doing some activities using private browsers. Is there a way actually to 
to retrieve the information or for example the searches that you did when using private browsing like okay i am using private browser and i have done some searches can you discover that actually private browser strength is it gives you some privacy on the local host it means it gives you privacy on your computer but the isp internet service providers the local administrators uh, the website admins themselves they can all know your activities so okay i said okay so this is uh, it's just uh, the weaknesses but i will not touch about its weakness i will touch about its strength okay it's good when you are using it on local host right oh i said okay so let's uh, let's study its strength let's try to find some loopholes in its strength on the local host so i have done like uh, multiple research uh, more i think more five six use cases but i showed in the presentation only four cases four, only yeah. four use cases and i walk through only one because i have uh, limited time at that time so what i did I just did some search on private browsing and I didn't close the private browsing. Then I took a digital forensic image on, from the hard disk and from the RAM. This two, like you can't, uh, uh, this is the first use case. The second use case, I closed the private browser and I waited 10 seconds. Then I took also a digital forensic image from the hard disk and also from the RAM. The third use case, actually, I was doing it. Uh, I rebooted the host, uh, the virtual machine. Yes, I rebooted the virtual machine. And then after that, uh, I took a forensic image from the hard disk and the RAM. And last case, I actually uh, not only rebooted, I shut down the virtual machine. So at that time, uh, I wanted to analyze all the artifacts, all the traces. Are actually there any traces left uh, behind? And I, I used like five different criteria on my search. Like, for example, I was searching for a knife. I was doing some YouTube, uh, searching on a YouTube video, Google, uh, viewing a PDF file, like five uh, criteria on the same five criteria on all use cases. And actually, in the first and the second case, like for uh, when I was doing the private browsing without closing the private browsing, like for example, you left your computer and someone like, for example, had access for sure, but even if you could like make it hidden, you, you uh, any digital forensic investigator, if he took a digital forensic image or a RAM image, he can actually know your activities. And But the most interesting one is actually the second uh, use case, which is after you closed the private browser, I closed it and I wait 10 seconds. Then I took, as I said, the digital forensic image and the RAM image. I was able to find the same activities, especially if you have... Uh, uh, the RAM, the RAM will have some uh, artifacts, some traces. And also, if your RAM is not that big enough, uh, you will have something, a uh, page file that is written on the hard disk. When something, when the RAM sees, like, for example, there is inactive data or it is about to get full, so it uh, push some of its data to the hard disk, like sw swap it put it on the hard disk and make more data, like more, I think, like active data to come to the RAM. 
so when it is not to get full so just to, to prevent itself from not getting full and make more active data in its RAM. So this page file.sys, I found uh, a lot of data actually and all traces in it. But unfortunately in the third and fourth case cases, I was not able actually to find any traces. But actually it is really, I think, uh, very uh, interesting topic to research. Even like more research should be done on it with the Tor browser. Okay. Yeah. Like, very interesting. Yeah. You, so, and again, just to be clear, so on the local host, this is all locally, like, you know, what can you get, whatever, but that doesn't exclude, um, what the ISP sure. can pick up. Sure. So this now, so let me lead into Tor browser. You mentioned it. Yeah. So now can you explain to the audience here, what is the dark web and what mm -hmm. is the Tor browser and how is the Tor browser different than Chrome or, or some of these other browsers? Sure, sure. Okay, now we are like having this, uh, for example, uh, stream or this live session on a clear net service, meaning like everything like now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Adel. Now, if actually if you are browsing the Internet normally, like doing some Google searches or going to Facebook, Instagram, anything, this all in the clear net, like all archived, everything can you access uh, using, for example, Google, Firefox, any type of uh, browser. That's okay. This clear net. What is the dark web? Actually, the dark web is, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the dark web, actually, it is the unarchived version of ClearNet. Let's say how I am saying unarchived, meaning like if you have a website or if you have a service, we call it, if a service it is in the dark web, we call it hidden service or onion service. If we, if we have a hidden service in the dark web, you cannot actually access it in the ClearNet. Like in the normal browser, Chrome, you cannot access a hidden service using normal browsers. So this is why it is like now in the clear net, clear net is actually like five to 10% of the internet. All everything is like 90% that we don't usually have access to it unless we do some procedures. The most important procedure to do is using a browser that you can access with it to the hidden web or dark web, let's say. Okay. Is the, is the, just, sorry, just a quick question, but is the Tor browser dangerous in any way in, a, in and of itself? Is, is, it, no. is it like just like installing Chrome or something else? Uh, in, yes, in yes, yes, yes. Okay. It is very, very normal, but actually some countries actually preventing actually downloading Tor. And if you download the Tor, some countries may tell you or may question the the people who download it why you actually download why? it so uh, it is not dangerous by itself but it may be dangerous <laughs> if the actually the governments ask you or question you what is your need what is your need of downloading tor this is only uh, the dangerous but tor no if you are downloading it from the source itself the it is okay. Yeah, no, no danger about that. Okay, now we will use Tor to access the hidden services. As I said, it is hidden service. It is only in the dark web. It is not in the clear net. You cannot access it using uh, Chrome or Firefox. Okay, the Tor is really interesting. Like, uh, 
let's say you have you have the tour okay and you were able to access the hidden uh, the hidden services but actually using the tour itself you can actually access the clearnet services or websites like you can actually you can actually access google from the tour itself because even the tour itself is actually based on I think uh, free free uh, one version of uh, Firefox. So it is like it is like Firefox, you know, like it is the same s- similar to the Firefox, but you can access the dark web with it. The dark web. Let's say why uh, it is all people talking about dark web. You can be anonymous using the private. It is one hundred percent using if you use Tor. No, okay, it gives you some. Uh, let's say an- anonymity it gives you some privacy but no it is also not bulletproof why let's say uh, you are a client like i am for example hussam i want to enter the dark web okay i have downloaded tor everything is fine okay what is tor actually tor is uh, tor stands for the onion router like as as the onion it has some you know some uh, layers you have some layers The, uh, the Tor actually encapsulates your request using three layers. So, if, for example, I want to ex- uh, access XXX. Yes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. If you want to access XXX, what will happen? You entered, uh, you opened the Tor, and Tor is doing some background process. What is that process? Actually taking your request, uh, after you actually type XXX dot, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the first thing, there are three nodes, like uh, the nodes or relays or anything, they are just computers. So just bear with me, please. <laughs> so now you entered the dark web, you use Tor, you, you type XXX dot, I don't know. This website, actually, it is a hidden service. So what Tor will do, Tor will do, will take your request, encrypt it, and this is the first, uh, let's say, node. This is one computer. Node is just a volunteer-run computer that you can run, I can run, anyone can run, to just uh, in the dark web. So it to help, let's say, being anonymous, like to help other users. You can make other users actually use your computer to be using the dark web. So they can buy through, you know, pass through your computer. So you're actually, you will be, your computer will be a node that processing the data. Okay, I am taking the request, encapsulated, encrypted, everything. This is the entry node, and which is, we call it sometimes the guard node. So this is the first node. Then, This first node will give it to a randomly computer, volunteerly, like someone he, who said, okay, I will be volunteer, I will run my computer as a node, to the middle node. This middle node also will take the request from the, not from you, no, from the entry node. So we have now second node, we'll take this uh, request, encapsulated, encrypted, everything, we'll give it to the third node, which is, we call it exit node. The exit node actually, We'll take it, encapsulate it, everything, and we will give it. But once the requests reach the exit node and it will go to the destination, like xxx.onion, for example, which is the heading service, it will be, uh, it will be not encrypted using Tor. It will be using uh, HTTPS. But this is, if it was, Like normal website, for example, Google. If it was a hidden service, 
it will go with another three cycle like the exit node will what uh, because uh, people like for example i was actually thinking selfishly why i am only the one uh, why i am the only one who actually using tor okay for sure the hidden service wants actually to protect its identity so also the hidden service there are three nodes to pass through to reach its final destination so if you want to connect from uh, like to connect to a hidden service actually it is six nodes it need to pass through but if it is a clear net service only three okay i so, hope it, i so hope it's like it may confuse okay. some people <laughs> so but but it's uh excuse me it's a uh, it sounds very serial though like it enters one exits another one it doesn't actually distribute does it distribute things in parallel like the information in parallel or is it pretty much serial no 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 serial it will go from one to another from and every time it will change unless the entry node sometimes entry node usually it will stick with your like usage for two three months but the middle middle node and uh, exit node like for every request or 10 minutes i think it will change everything until serial will take one take to another as i said if you are accessing normal service only three nodes to be passed through and the request that is actually taking out or uh, coming out from the exit node will enter for example the clearness service will be https protected hopefully but not in the tour protection like it will not will not protected by tour because it is exiting tour but if it is hidden service as i said the exit node let's say the personal like for example the person exit node is different from the destination exit node it will be six nodes uh, uh accordingly okay. uh, yani it is different yeah six okay. nodes so, is three nodes so yes. is it, it it's the fact that you have all these layers that makes it more difficult to keep tracking down what's the next node what's for the next sure. node what's but the next node here 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 is here is it like why actually you can see a lot of agencies actually seize some malicious hidden services because you can voluntarily you can actually be volunteer and run actually and police agency node and you can actually when requests it will pass through you okay wait a minute okay wait what happened okay sometimes you can change the request sometimes you can actually if it is an exit node especially the exit node why the exit nodes know the destination and the entry node know your identity the ip address so if they want most probably they will be actually hosting a malicious exit node because they want to know like what is the website that or the hidden services that you want to access and they will try actually to trace it back it is difficult the traffic analysis is huge but there is a patterns there is there are some patterns actually the uh, fbi can or any police agency let's say they can do it the the isps they can do it even if it is really difficult but it is not impossible and any trace that you leave behind it might actually trace back to you so the exit node as i said knows your identity so if for example he is trying to access something illegal the exit node will have this information so what <laughs> if it is actually like a fake exit node or police uh, plant, uh, planted uh, exit node they will actually sometimes do downgrade as i said like down https downgrade what i mean by that like after as i said exiting for example the tor network if it is uh, like uh, just he wants to 
do any let's say stuff it will be trying to for example change or change the his request to malware for example and they when he he took his response he will download the malware for example if there was any let's say file to be downloaded they will change it for example uh, if he is accessing clearnet service but this service even if it is illegal but it is in the uh, clear net not in the dark web they may actually downgrade uh, downgrade the https protocol to http so it will not be encrypted so all information is in plain text so there are some techniques actually they the investigation digital forensic investigations uh, police agencies they can do actually to trace some uh, illegal activities like this Okay. Hey, I have a question here, and I'd like to know if you can address this one. It's from Kine here. He says, if you're running a node, is the content of the original request stored on the node? If the request was for illegal content, would it be discoverable on the node after the request was completed? Is this what? If is the content of the original uh, request stored on the node, it will be encrypted. It will be encrypted this way. It will be encrypted on the node. Uh, like for example, on the node, it will pass through. Okay, I will take this information as I said, like it will be encapsulated and uh, encapsulated by the node. So the node itself, who is the one who encrypting the information? So it will take the information encrypted and give it to another, uh, the second node. The second one will encrypt this information and give it to the third node. So this information is encrypted, but by the node. Okay. When we talk about um, cybersecurity in general, especially concerning like what we're talking about, the dark web, uh, Tor browser, what are some of the more important trends that you see emerging right now? Like what, what has been changing over the, the okay. recent past and, and what are the hot topics, let's say? And now the uh, artificial intelligence using mm -hmm. cybersecurity with digital intelligence is huge, is very strong. Like I can see like technologies with uh, with artificial intelligence, it's really powerful compared to no, like normal cybersecurity technologies or tools or let's say appliances. So if you combine uh, artificial intelligence with digital, uh, with uh, cybersecurity, it's very good. This one trend actually, the IOTs and drones, they are now uh, doing some, let's say, IOTs, especially IOTs. Uh, this is very trendy. And sometimes they, for example, hack a smart home. So this is very trend in the cybersecurity. You need to actually, it is very, actually, the IOT is very, uh, let's say, it's not really protected for uh, to cyber attacks. So this is very trend, an emerging topic that we need actually to address a lot of stuff in IoT securities, for example, in drones, when they are actually doing some uh, activities in drone, if a drone crashed or anything, they need to do digital forensic on the drones. The drone now, it is also a trend. Uh, we can also, we have uh, DevSecOps, which is development security operation, like, uh, like, like let's say uh, software engineering with security in mind. So you are... Uh, developing, designing, doing the requirement, everything, but in security with minds with using automation, uh, all the uh, ops operations also. Uh, a lot of stuff actually are really now, you can take advantage of it also. ChatGPT now <laughs> is really a huge problem. We can utilize it in really different uh, ways. And you can say like ChatGPT for pen testers, ChatGPT for laws, ChatGPT like now specialized uh, chat GPT for only, for example, one field in cybersecurity. So you can utilize it a lot. 
ABIs now a lot of companies uh, they are moving actually to ABI services like uh, I, I know like it has been since long that you are they are using ABIs but now it's a huge ABI penetration testing is very uh, mandatory nowadays so also the cloud the AWS for example Azure cloud uh, GCB every any type now all moving to the cloud so cloud security is crucial also you need mm -hmm. to know for example the tenants what are the components how to uh, do for example digital forensics on the cloud if you have uh, log trails what uh, you can acquire the data on the cloud all these type of stuff you need to have knowledge actually as i said but you need you can't choose one I mean, you can't choose for example cloud security and take this path or you can't uh, like for example go for abi penetration testing and learn it for example if you uh, like after that if you were really comfortable with it you can actually go to another field or some subfield let's say so this i i think the most one mm, like emerging ones yeah in my opinion Okay. Let me ask you about prevention measures because, you know, everybody's interested in getting protected. People have been hacked. I'm sure it's not, I mean, so many people have been hacked nowadays where they get something malicious or something that's troublesome. But what are, what are some of the things that individuals or organizations, uh, what they can do to protect themselves uh, from threats that originate either from the dark web or even from the clear web? Okay. So cybersecurity measures. Okay. Actually, Especially for people who are not specialized in cybersecurity, this may seem actually very difficult task uh, for them, actually, for non-security or cybersecurity people. But there are some mitigations, normal mitigations. There are many, many, but I will actually focus on people who are not in cybersecurity field. Then we can go to for people who in cybersecurity field. For people who are not in cybersecurity field, really, you need to have, for example, normal antivirus. Normal antivirus with internet security. This is a must. This is a must. I know it may seem silly, but no. Really, like, for example, some people, uh, they are not actually sure. Should they download an antivirus? Like, what the benefit of antivirus? No, it will give you some benefit. Trust me, especially if uh, it is all always updated everything. Secondly, you need actually to update your system. For example, uh, if any, especially security patches. If, for example, you are having Windows 10, Windows 11, and there is a security patch you must download it immediately. You need to enable firewalls and actually make some, uh, no, for non-security people, no, just activate the firewall at least actually, because a lot of people just deactivate it, <laughs> make it offline, really, and this is not good actually. Make it, uh, I, I, want, I want actually to tell you download like, uh, let's say a vendor firewall or, but no, at least yeah, really to, to have a firewall. Then any, let's say link you need actually to check it like for example especially if you took it from the internet not the google link no no any link you need to check it for example simply you can for example use any simple uh, let's say scanning engine for uh, for example like virus total just try to check the link don't put it immediately on your browser unless you have for example some technologies which is like disposable browser you can do whatever whatever you want on that because 
after you cl- close the browser, everything will be go with it. So this is not an issue. But if you have like, like your normal browser or normal host, normal computer, don't do that. I want also to emphasize if you are in the IT, not in the cybersecurity, try actually when you want to test something, do some like download any file, try actually to have a virtual machine. Like for example, VMware, uh, Explain to people, explain to people what, what is a virtual machine and why it's beneficial. Okay. Virtual machine. We can say like you have now windows. I want to have windows. Okay. You have your operating system. Okay. I want to have another operating system. I want to have, for example, Kali Linux. Okay. You can have dual boot Kali Linux. Okay. I want to have uh, another, (laughs) a third operating system. I want to have fourth operating system. You want to have a lot of environments, but your resources cannot actually have all of that because it will take a lot of resources. It will be very heavy on your operating system or on your actually CPU, on your RAM, all your uh, computer resources. So what they came, they came with a technology that you can actually have an operating system inside an operating system. Like for example, now there you can use the WSL in Windows. You can use it without actually any, let's say third party application. But uh, let's say now virtual machine with like program like VMware VirtualBox, any program. You can have an operating system inside an operating system. For example, I can have Kali Linux or Opinto Linux in, for example, Windows. And the, you can configure it as normal computer. Like it has its internet, it has its resources from RAM, from CPU, from hard disk, like a normal computer, but it is virtual. So you can have another computer. You can have like, for example, three operating systems in your uh, Windows, for example, or in any yeah, like uh, your main operating system. So what is the beauty in this? You can actually test, for example, any malicious files or seemingly uh, suspicious or malicious file on those, uh, actually in those operating system in the virtual machine after you configure it properly and make it, for example, there is no contact between the host and the virtualized environment. Actually, you can configure it to run this, uh, uh, to make it really isolated, isolated environment. And once you click, for example, you have, for example, anyone gave you a file or a link, you can actually open the file Open, even if you don't have any cybersecurity, sometimes it feels suspicious. Or if you have just a normal AV, it will not pass through. But for example, sometimes it will be hidden. It will be stealthy. Your antivirus will not be able to detect it. So you check that file. Okay, now you can make like reset the, uh, the virtualized environment. Everything will be gone as you have not done anything. This is a beauty. Like you can do a lot of searches, a lot of tests on, on that virtualized environment without harming or damaging your operating system. So this is a beauty on it. I really recommend to have, for example, a virtualized environment. For example, VirtualBox is a free you can actually have uh, uh, access for it. Uh, you can also, uh, if you have, I think, uh, PowerShell 4 or 5, you can have WSL. Actually, you have like subsystem, like Windows subsystem, you can call uh, WSL. You can have, for example, Linux inside Windows. And it is, uh, let's say, Windows who, uh, which is uh, doing this. Like Windows enables you actually to do this, like subsystem technology, they call it, or 
WSL. So you can actually, uh, they will tell you which subsystem you want. They tell, you are telling them that, for example, Kali, you can do different commands on Kali, different things. But I would advise for just the people who are like in new in cybersecurity or even just a bit, they have some knowledge in IT, actually to try virtualized environment, try, try VM and check, check with it. So just procedures, you like security, you cannot actually be 100% secure. This is fact. But you can make the process of hacking your systems more difficult. For example, yeah, for example, instead of actually making all hackers hacking your system, you can make actually your system immune to only like 5% of hackers who can actually hack into your system. And this is uh, like one way to make your system like more difficult, like you are hardening your system, let's say in jargon terms. So this is the way, like for people who are like just simple terms, certain conditions, simple, uh, simple procedures you can actually take and your system will be much more secure actually. Just enable your AV, your firewall, you have virtual machine, you check your files and malicious, even you if you don't know how to analyze them, like just normal or online scanning engines, they will do the job for you and you will be more secure. This is like yeah. very, very, very on very simple terms. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think I've heard that before where it's just, it's just you know, nothing is 100%, but you just make it a problem for somebody that they're like, you know what, yes, I'll, move, sure. I'll move on to the next person because this is just going to be, it's going to take me uh, more yes, time. Yes, it will be tedious and I will do a lot of effort. Yes. <laughs> right, right. And maybe the value of hacking your system will not be actually because hackers have different uh, let's say values like some people they want just to hack your system to get money and if they will say okay let's compare is the value that i am supposing to take or they will do a conversion the value that i am taking is it worthy actually to do all this stuff and do, trying to hack your system like a lot i will do a lot of effort all my like i will waste a lot of time is it worthy if it is not worth it, they will not actually, even if they have actually the probability to hack your system. So, yes. Okay. Uh, could you share, or like, do you have any interesting case studies or any examples that highlight the, you know, the complexity and challenges, uh, challenges that are encountered, like when you're dealing with, uh, like, investigations related to the dark web or Tor mm. or some kind of security issue? Uh, use cases you want in the dark web. Actually, um, it is very difficult actually to, if some activities led to a dark web, really, it is really difficult and you have, you need to take some permissions because here, uh, the regulations, uh, it is really difficult actually to be part of some cases related to that. So only like, I, uh, only one, I think, uh, the government can do this type of stuff. So uh, it is a bit difficult actually, but uh, it is difficult to share on this really. It is yeah, really okay. difficult. But what I can say that using your Tor browser, it will not make you anonymous 100%, but you can actually, uh, with the help of police agencies, with the traffic analysis, the bucket inspection, uh, and malicious exit node, they will like, you know, like they will catch you, maybe not now, but they will catch you after a while, even though they will catch you, they will catch you. Yes, yes. But yeah. yes, it is really a tedious task. Why? Because sometimes you need to take uh, some warrants, you need uh, to take, but in the dark web, you know, uh, like in the clear net, you, for example, if you 
came across any, for example, Google services and you don't know the password, you may take some warrant to take. But in the dark web, nothing really known to you. You you may sometimes actually, you may make sometimes persona or fake identity and plant yourself on the hidden service itself and gathering information, gathering information. Then you may try to do social engineering with the one that you are no. Yeah, for sure, you know, that is the guy. That's my guy. You may actually try to plant yourself as a one who wants actually that hidden service, even if it is difficult, but you make a fake identity, fake name, fake picture, fake, all details are fake, and make onto that system. If it is not uh, invitation only, you can actually create an account and try to gather as much information on that target. You can use some open source intelligence in that dark web monitoring, all that type of stuff to know more information. And as I told you, like even it is like sometimes you cannot get many results, but if a case is related to dark web, it may take uh, uh, some time, really it may take some times, but eventually, you may be able actually to seize it or to get that, to that information that you want. But as I told, when any case is related to dark web, it takes too much time, to be honest. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, um, just a couple more questions, Sam. So one is, what is next for you? Like, what are you, what are you going to be working on next? Like, do you have any areas of special interest that you want to focus in on? Um, what can you tell me about your, your next moves? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, actually, I am trying uh, to be more in reverse engineering and also like uh, more in malware analysis, also like strengthen my, uh, let's say, skills in those areas. I want to have actually in the near future, I want to have my own actually digital forensic course to people so people can actually take advantage and use this course. Hopefully I can learn and be more <laughs> as, as a like, skilled person in this uh, cybersecurity because you need to learn every day, every single hour you need to learn, uh, put into, put into the work, put uh, in time. So hopefully I will try every day to learn and conquer these challenges. Yeah. Well, I know you've certainly taught me a whole bunch today. It was fascinating listening to you. Uh, I really enjoyed your talk and you've got a wealth of information. So I think a course would be a great, in fact, while you were speaking, I'm thinking this is a course right here. Like it's just it's fascinating. So you're, 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 you're definitely going to have to get a, be a professorship at some university. Or no, no, I am learning from you, professor. I'm learning from uh, you, professor. <laughs> so, uh, Hey, listen, could, could I show your LinkedIn profile? Because I'd like people to know where to reach you if that's okay. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Okay, sure. here we go. So let me put it here. So yeah, uh, Hussam, you're, you're on LinkedIn. Uh, they can find you there. Uh, that's his uh, a profile for those of you that are there. Also, I'll put up the, uh, very quickly put up his uh, uh, website here. And uh, if you want to go over uh, trustlink.sa, I didn't check on your website. Actually, here, I, I can Yeah, this is here. my company that I am okay. working and in. And you have a contact. Uh, there's a contact. Uh, here it is a company contact, but if you reach to the info at Trustlink, you... I will take it uh, afterwards, inshallah. Info at Trustlink. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah, great. Well, look, Hussam, uh, we're getting on, and uh, I, I thought found this fascinating. At some point in the future, I think I'm going to have to invite you back and talk about maybe a more specific <laughs> subject or something like this. But uh, 
Great. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, hope sure, I really talked a lot. I, I talked too fast. <laughs> I'm so no, sorry. Maybe <laughs> it is a bit uh, also confusing uh, to the audience. Like uh, what, what he is talking about. Uh, sorry. I hope like you really get at least even one piece of information that uh, really was useful for you. I hope uh, it was not uh, boring and exciting for you because cybersecurity is really, really interesting field. And I really encourage anyone who wants to be in that field to study and start from now, you can do it. Excellent. Well, look, hang back uh, for a second and then I'm going to come back. But uh, hey, we'll, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for being back here. We have regulars that keep showing up, which is fantastic. So uh, look, folks, have a happy Thursday and uh, we will see you soon. Bye-bye.